Hey, Sylvia here with November's episode of Lunar Wanderings. Lunar Wanderings is a space where we lean into the cosmic magic and weave new stories for ourselves, about ourselves and this world. And it is my joy to share with you this language that has resonated with me so deeply and allowed me to (laughs) excavate the depths of my soul and reconnect with who I was put on this earth to be. And it is my hope that by sharing myself and my journey, you're um, inspired or empowered to take on a journey of your own and realign with who you were put on this earth to be. I hope that I find you well, whether it's your first time tuning in or whether you tune in every time. I'm grateful. And I hope that this Mass Lunar Cycle brought you what you needed. I can honestly say that this lunar cycle was pretty intense, but insightful. And I know I use that word for what it seems like every lunar cycle. <laughs> but the last, um, the last full moon coincided with my own inner cycle and the beginning of my bleed and some pretty significant revelations emerged from me listening to my body and giving it what it needed. And if you received my monthly musings, you'll know that I've finally finally found some real clarity around the space that I'm cultivating with you. And through that, rooting myself in the vision that I have for my life. And all of it was due to the inner inquiry throughout the lunar cycle and I suppose the culmination of all the ones before and I'm sure it will continue. And I went into the lunar cycle not really knowing what would emerge but I had this feeling that it will be a significant one. If you listen to October's Lunar Wanderings, you'll have heard me talk about reorientation. And this is exactly what ended up emerging energetically without me really forcing it. So here we are at the beginning of a new lunar cycle. And I'm excited to be um, more conscious of the moon's daily movements through the zodiacal constellations, but also the planets that... um, the planets and their meeting points and I feel like each consecutive lunar cycle reveals something new about the energies but also the correlation and the relationship between the moon and all the other planets that the moon comes into contact with throughout its cycle and as my teacher calls it it's all field research right and the academic in me recognizes it and it is something that we all need to do individually for ourselves but also collectively because these energies are all universal and moon is the fastest moving planet so to speak even though technically it's not really a planet it is a luminary 
And because it is the fastest moving wanderer, as the Greeks called it, um, as the Greeks called the planets, it is these effects that are most likely to affect us on the day to day. And the full moon, as I mentioned, was intense. My own bleeding was approaching and I learned about lunar returns and how this all aligned with the full moon in Pisces, which is also where my natal moon is. And then we had all the Pluto activity um, that for me personally made some old wounds and patterns re-emerge. And that took me by complete surprise. <laughs> I could not make sense of my feelings because I thought I had healed that part of me. And when I saw the transits, um, it's almost as if a light bulb went off. So if the last month was heavy on your soul, just know that you weren't alone. But we are so much stronger and so much more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. I have been reading Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and Psyche and in it he talks about the planetary archetypes and something that he said really stirred in me. He was talking about the meaning of astrology. He wrote that it is not necessarily that the planets cause things to happen, rather there is an energetic correlation between what's happening with the planets and what's happening here on Earth. He says that the celestial bodies and their cyclical patterns possess a symbolic significance that is reflected within the human sphere. And this to me represents the inner interconnectedness of life. We as humans are not separate from the universe, nor are we superior to other life forms. We, that we are all one, we're all from the same universe. And I suppose the only difference is how conscious we are, how aware our minds are. But having a mind doesn't necessarily make us conscious either, right? Tanis also talks about a universal ordering principle, and I refer to it as cosmic order. And within that cosmic order are we humans. And within each one of us is our individual internal cosmic order, which is also known as a natal chart. Now we could argue that this chart then is the map for our lives, that it reveals our life's purpose. And that's something we'll talk about later on. But... In order to read that map, we must be open to receiving it, to make sense of it, to feel into it and to attune to it. But that doesn't mean that it decides our life. We live in these physical bodies with our own minds that make choices. 
we are influenced by all sorts of external factors. So in that sense, I see a birth chart as a rediscovery, a remembering of who you're born to be. What is the seed, the intention, the purpose that lives within us and how can we unlock it? But again, we need, we need an open mind to unlock it. Astrology to me demands an open mind. It demands deep inner trust and lots of curiosity. <laughs> it demands from us to get curious about what is beyond the physical realm and expand past, expand beyond our smallness. It requires deep self-inquiry and soul growth. And that to me is cosmic magic. That to me is the magic of weaving new stories. Something that I talked about last time. Gary Zukov talks about this openness in his book, The Seat of the Soul. And um, he says, and I'm um, quoting him directly, when the physical environment is seen only from five sensory point of view, physical survival appears to be the fundamental criterion of evolution because no other kind of evolution is detectable. It is from this point of view that survival of the fittest appears to be synonymous with evolution and physical dominance appears to characterize advanced evolution. And so I believe that is why astrology is viewed, and this is, this is me talking, <laughs> um, astrology is viewed as this woo-woo pseudoscience because we can't explain it from that five sensory perspective that Gary Zucker mentions. Astrology demands us to lean into our multisensory being, but that means loosening our rein on our logical side a bit, which is not easy to do, right? And I've seen that in myself and how sometimes I can be very black and white with certain things or I need a concrete answer or explanation for something. And there may not be one. Yet what we know makes sense. As far as astrology goes, it works. And I have seen it work, not just on others, but myself. Especially the correlations between the planetary positions at some of the most crucial turning points of my life and the archetypal energy that they represent. And um, my teacher, Britton, wrote a great article on that, and I'll add the link in the notes section. I did have this um, ambitious goal <laughs> to talk about lunar nodes in this episode, which would go into these correlations that I just mentioned. But I realized that it is still simmering that my own latest personal lunar node transit, which has been both powerful and eye-opening, 
is still in full force and that means that I haven't quite extracted all the wisdom that I need to before talking about it all. One of my intentions with these episodes is to talk about these things in a in a more practical way and that's the Virgo in me who wants to be of service but she wants to be of service in a way that gives you the listener a tangible thing that you can take away from it and apply it to your own life and journey and I know that day will come when I will have some practical lessons for you with regards to our lunar nodes which actually are not physical bodies in the sky they are mathematical points but in a way this episode is linked to the nodes as more often than not if you are familiar with the lunar nodes the north node astrologically speaking is interpreted as the representation of our future and I believe it is similar in human design as well so today I want to talk about purpose and my own emotionally charged relationship with the word and I want to start with a recent journal entry which kind of started off this whole exploration of what purpose actually is I wrote it on 17th of October and it sums up um, a few points I will be arguing for in this episode and here's what I wrote I've been thinking a lot about purpose and intention and having a vision what it seems to come down to is that our intentions are the threads that run through our lives and ultimately ground us in our vision for our lives without a clear intention we are simply meandering through life seeking a fixed purpose that only takes us further from it life is a journey the quest for a fixed destination does not exist even when we think there is a point that answers all our questions of what true happiness is what our one purpose is we keep moving the finish line therefore we need to embrace life as a journey and the purpose of or the intention for that journey is to live a life that is truly ours the answers we seek are not out there the answers are always within us within our inner knowing therefore our purpose is to trust our inner knowing so (laughs) in a true Virgo nature let's dissect it and hopefully by the end of it we will have put it back together in a way that will serve us but in order to dissect it and this is my analytical brain here um, we ought to define it or at least I feel like we need to define it so what is purpose what does it mean to have a purpose in life and how does one find it is it a fixed point one arrives at or can it change Cambridge Dictionary says that purpose is the reason for doing something 
Merriam-Webster says that it is the aim or goal of a person. Looking at the etymology of the word purpose, we find that the root of the word dates back to the 1300s, meaning intention, aim, goal. When we look at the Anglo-French word, and pardon my pronunciation, um, the word of purpose, it means to design, to have intention or design. So we can see that the meaning hasn't changed, but I think it is the meaning that we've given to the word that has changed. It is our attitude towards the word that has changed. Or maybe we're just giving it too much weight to it, in the sense that if we can't find our one true purpose, our life is not worth living. I'm not sure. But I do feel like we live in a culture that is fixated on finding a purpose. And that tends to be directly connected to our level of happiness and satisfaction in life. To me, it has become such a charged word, something that is perhaps being overused or used in a nonchalant way or misused even or used in a way that can induce anxiety. When we enter finding your purpose into a Google search bar, we're faced with over 14 billion hits. You can even take a test that will help you find your purpose. And when we click on the news tab, we find articles such as nine tips for finding a life purpose or three simple ways to find the meaning of life or three steps to discovering your purpose. I think it is safe to say that we are a culture obsessed with finding a purpose. But maybe that's the one, maybe that's the problem. Maybe we are so fixated on finding our purpose that we actually forget to live our lives and allow the purpose to find us to emerge through our life journey we force we push we resist we rush around and yet we forget the most important thing being we forget to be here and now in pursuit of this imaginary thing that we are so obsessed about and so eager to pin down. I feel like we tie our happiness to it, but in the process we forget to be happy. I don't know about you, but purpose is something that I have searched for all my life. <laughs> I would always think of it as this point one arrives at and then my life would be complete. All the questions would be answered and I would admire the people who were living their purpose but secretly I'd be jealous of them. I'd ask questions like why can't I have a life filled with purpose? Why can't I be living a life that has meaning, that is my creation? Life by design is a phrase I would 
often hear during my network marketing days. And yet, I struggled to design my life that would live up to this image I had of it. Something I realized in the past year, I realized that purpose is not a fixed point to be found, that it lives within us, that it it is us. But this noise-filled world makes it hard for us to hear our inner knowing, to hear these inner whispers that are eager to help us in living our purpose. Our daily to-do lists demand most of our time. And there is always someone else's expectation to be met, someone else's opinion we need to consider. And honestly, it is easier to numb our senses with the millions of distractions that this modern world provides us than to tune in and listen to what we actually want our lives to be. It is easier to meander aimlessly than to take responsibility for our own lives. And I know that because that is what I have done for most of my life. Even though it has been one massive pursuit for that magical place where my purpose lives, I've also fallen into the trap of numbing my senses because that search filled me with so much anxiety and frustration. And this is where I feel like I need to bring in the astrological element. It is not so much as astrology revealing a purpose, but rather helping us hone in on our strengths and our unique gifts and giving us the vocabulary to express it and feel into ways we'd want to utilize these gifts out in the world, in our physical lives. It helps us highlight what's already within us but we have disconnected from it in our busy day-to-day lives. Richard Roth says that the further we the further we move from our essential nature the more we and those around us suffer and this suffering is vital to us. It keeps reminding us of the simplest path, the path of least resistance the path that is naturally ours. It has been said that the hardest and the easiest thing in the world is simply to be yourself. He also says that life will take us wherever it wants us to go. To me, that makes me think of following my joy. There is no fixed destination only the path I choose to walk right now. And when I trust in my inner knowing, I know that it will lead me to where I need to get to. This has been one of my biggest realizations, especially since my accident this year. The more I have tried to force an outcome or a direction, the less progress I seem to have made. And the moment I let go of forcing it was the moment that life started to give me all these nudges and I see that my task has become to follow them, 
to the best of my ability. But again, we got to be open to receiving these nudges and hear the whispers if we are to make this life truly ours. In my journal entry, I said that life is a journey and that there is no fixed destination. But we humans like to think that we are moving towards something. This one place where all our questions will be answered, where we'll have everything we need. And in that pursuit, we forget to enjoy the process, the journey that is our life. It has taken me a long time to realize that. <laughs> I've been wandering aimlessly for so long, desperate to find that one fixed destination. Realizing that it does not exist has been such a load off my shoulders. I feel like I can finally just enjoy the ride. And that does not mean that I don't have goals or anything like that. It just means that they are not my only obsession. That I am more open towards life leading the way rather than me forcing the way, if that makes sense. I find myself able to occupy the spaces in between the doing with more being. I'm able to follow my joy more and feel like, and not feel like I'm missing out because I know what I value in my life. I can tune into my inner cycles and align with my energetic being instead of living in that constant hustle mode, in that constant need and urge to get somewhere where I think I'll be happy. <laughs> Instead, I can just choose to be here now and lean into my inner knowing and trust my inner timing and doing everything from a place of integrity. I'm going to read another quote from Gary Zukav that in a way summarizes what I've just talked about it so beautifully. He says, when the personality comes fully, to serve the energy of its soul, that is authentic empowerment. Every experience that you have and will have upon the earth encourages the alignment of your personality with your soul. So I am reframing purpose as trusting one's inner knowing and leaning into what Zukov refers to as authentic empowerment. The answers we seek are always within us. Sometimes we just need that gentle nudge, that loving poke, <laughs> that right question to guide us within. And that's the aim of Lunar Wanderings. That's been the aim of Lunar Wandering since the beginning. And ultimately, I want this space to serve you, to help you light your own path, to courageously walk down that path, no matter how thick the undergrowth seems. Because you can trust your inner knowing. 
And that to me was the biggest lesson of this last lunar cycle. I realized that I can trust myself, that I can trust my intuition, that my inner knowing has the answers that I seek. All I need to do is tune out the noise and turn inward. And that's why journaling and aligning with cyclical living has been the most rewarding. And that's why I keep talking about them. <laughs> They've allowed me to slowly learn to trust myself. And it is available for you too. You already have the answers within. You already know what's out of alignment and what's not working and what you need to do to realign, to reconnect, to remember. I'm just here to help you tease them out, to nudge you in the direction you feel the need to go at, to empower you to lean into the life that is truly yours. I'd love to hear from you to see how this all lands with you. What comes to your mind when you think of purpose? How does it feel if you were to reframe it as trusting your inner knowing? And on that note, <laughs> let's look at the energies for this lunar cycle that will hopefully help us do just that. And if it is your first time listening, you might notice that the moon is in a different zodiac. And that's because I used a visible sky to tune into these energies. This is also known as true sidereal astrology which was founded by um, an astrologer called Athen, who has an incredible YouTube channel um, called Mastering Your Zodiac. And he has created a video of what true sidereal astrology is, which I will be posting in the link, posting the link of in the show notes. So um, you can check that out if you have no idea what I'm talking about. So the new moon occurred on the 4th of November in between the zodiacal constellations of Virgo and Libra. And Virgo is something that I've been thinking a lot about, mainly due to digging deeper into my own sun and rising sign, which are both in Virgo. And I still very much see Virgo as seeking out refinement and practical solutions to problems and wanting to fix things. And that it is most often driven by this innate desire to serve. So Virgo, as an archetype, is an energy that loves refinement and seeking out those practical solutions to problems. Virgo wants to fix things. At the same time, it is through this um, innate desire to serve that Virgo refines their own being. I think of Virgo as the searchlight, the magnifying glass, the queen of fine tuning. It is the part of us 
that is here to filter out the gunk and the unnecessary bits and connect the loose threads. The Virgo in us is here to accept our wholeness. And that wholeness, when I, when I speak of wholeness, I speak of the good, the bad and the ugly. <laughs> when we meet ourselves with acceptance, we are able to do the same with others, meeting them with love and compassion and understanding. But that requires meeting our wholeness first. And that's what I feel we can learn from Virgo. And then we have the other part of this new moon that's just passed. We have Libra. Libra is known for balance and harmony. Libras seek to keep the peace. They seek to balance the scales, but do it in a way that is just. And that can often mean compromise. It can mean detaching our ego's want from its need. And we all know that need and want are not always the same thing. We want when we, let me rephrase that, what we want can be impulsive and reactive. It can be an illusion. Our actual need helps us connect to our wholeness. It helps us to flow through life with more ease. And as these two archetypes met under this new moon, I like to ask a question. What did this encounter reveal to you? Where in your life do you need to balance out the constant fixing with letting it have a life of its own? What have you been trying to create that you're afraid to put out into the world? When we look at the numerous hexagram, which in human design is known as a gate, the moon will be in hexagram for the it won't be it was in hexagram 44 and it was in the line six and uncannily <laughs> that line is called he comes to me with horns it's rather funny as the opposite zodiacal constellations for the virgo and libra new moon were pisces and aries so we have the ram that represents Aries, which represents new beginnings and the desire to jump right into doing. And then we have the Pisces, that is the end of an old cycle and the one that loves to dive deep underneath the surface. And then obviously at the opposite side, we had Virgo who seeks refinement and Libra who seeks balance. And so I feel like with these opposites, we might feel some resistance. We ourselves might be causing some friction. We might want to hold on to our comfort zone or stick to the illusionary safety that the willingness to compromise might cause. But sometimes we have to jump before we're ready. 
we have to trust that we have done enough. We are being called to let go of that constant fine-tuning and allow more space for exploration and transformation. And I feel like that is the balancing act of the scales that this new moon is allowing us to tap into. Sometimes it is in the doing that we find refinement and clarity. So whichever way we look at the symbols and the archetypes, maybe this new moon is here to remind us that we can't be in the refinement mode forever, that we can't grasp onto things forever, that there comes a point when we need to let go and just put that thing out there, whatever that thing represents to us. And that balance is knowing when to let go deciding that actually this is good enough for now and it doesn't mean that it is going to be like this for good it's just for right now I can say that for me the new moon period brought some unexpected opportunities <laughs> it is useful at this point to mention Uranus and Sun opposition, which literally means expecting the unexpected. And to me, the choice I had been given was definitely that. So my journal during the new moon period has been hijacked by just sitting with it all, allowing myself to trust that whatever needs to come of it will come and letting go of anything that I can't control and so I had a lot of energy <laughs> put into acceptance around this idea that the vision we have for our lives may not always happen as we expect it or want it, that it will happen as it is supposed to. And this new moon for me was a beautiful reminder of that. Saying that, at the same time, I am excited to to see how this all will play out. And on that note, the next moon, the next major phase is the waxing quarter moon on the 11th of November, which will occur towards the end of Capricorn. And I feel like the most noteworthy astrological aspect, I feel that needs mentioning is the moon's conjunction with Jupiter. Whilst Capricorn is all about authority and structure, and I need to mention our inner authority here too, not just external. And at the same at the same time, 
it goes to structure as well. So the structure can be a boundary that we choose, taking ownership and responsibility for our own actions, our own choices, or maybe our own reactions, our own stuckness. Jupiter is all about expanding our horizons and seeking freedom. And you might remember from the October episode that when two planets are in conjunction with, they are supporting each other. They join forces, so to speak. So this aligned action phase, as I like to call it, is all about getting real with ourselves and seeing where we are keeping ourselves stuck whose authority, whose structures are limiting our freedom and what can we do about that? How can we lean into what we want more of in our lives and create boundaries that allows us to reach these new horizons? What is the freedom that we're seeking? Is it something that we truly desire or is it imprinted on us by an outer authority? The sun in Libra will be square to the moon and Jupiter and square aspect you might remember can bring more challenging energy but I like to think of it as a collaboration they motivate each other through the struggle. And I feel like the sun will help us balance, find balance in all that restructuring and expansion that we may experience. Maybe it will help us prioritize and not get lost in all the things all at once. After all, this phase calls us to take aligned action, not to cross off all the tasks that we need to do to get to that vision that we have. I don't know about you, but I'm sensing a theme here. <laughs> so let's have a look at the full moon. So the full moon will occur in the zodiacal constellation of Taurus. And this full moon will also be a near total lunar eclipse, which is also known as the blood moon, but unfortunately won't be visible in the UK. And here's something fascinating about um, near total or sort of lunar eclipses in general. So basically, a lunar eclipse is an occurrence. When the moon travels through the Earth's shadow, which is also known as the umbra. You might remember from October's episode when I explained the science behind the full moon and the new moon. So, full moon happens opposite the sun's position, and the Earth is now in between the moon and the sun. But this time, the moon will travel through the Earth's shadow which is created by the sun. And I don't know about you, but connecting these dots between astrology and astronomy has been truly fascinating. And 
That's what cosmic magic is to me, connecting the energetic correlation of the happenings in the visible sky with the happenings on Earth. Ultimately, this is how the ancient lunar wanderers and the stargazers did it. And this, to me, feeds into that interconnectedness between all of us and us and the cosmos. And this is the humble part of me that um, doesn't always like to claim her spot in this world, but I'm excited to be enriching our modern life with these ancient ways and ultimately infusing the two. Anyway, back to the full moon in Taurus. And I know I went off on a tangent, but Taurus is all about the natural world and being connected to the natural world. But it is also about our physical lives, our possessions, stability and security. Taurus is known as the builder. And there is this genuine need to be resourceful and to get productive results. This is something that I relate to very deeply since my ninth house is ruled by Taurus. And so ninth house is all about the higher knowledge, our beliefs and ideals. And so when we take the archetype of Taurus and put it into the ninth house, how can we combine these ideals and beliefs in a practical way that serves us on this earthly journey? So to me personally, it is about combining the various elements of the astrology and astronomy in a way that serves us, that serves our lives, that enriches our material lives, um, our physical lives, that adds this other dimension to it. And I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> I also find it rather fascinating that Mercury, um, the planet that helps us make meaning, recently passed Spica, or Spica, I think you call it Spica, which is a star within the Virgo constellation that represents the gift of harvest and bounty. And this is ultimately what aligning with your inner knowing is about. What Rudd refers to as the path of least resistance. We just know the right words, the right actions. It's effortless. And it doesn't mean that life is easy, but it becomes easier when we no longer force or resist. We simply flow with the energies. We allow these energies to pass through us. The full moon occurs in the hexagram, in hexagram eight, 
which is called holding together. It's also known as uniting or as the union. And I suppose the ultimate union that we can be in is with life itself, is with cosmos, with the collective. And since Taurus is the material world, um, the world that's made up of matter, we're being asked, what is that union that we are committed to? What do we value in our unions on this earth and with the earth? And that is Venus, the ruler of Taurus. And if you look to the south or to the southwest during the sunsets right now, you will see Venus shine bright, right on the horizon. And then when you look to the east during the full moon on the 19th of November or a day or so before, you will see Taurus full moon rising. And just above the moon, you can picture the seven sisters, almost as if pulling up the moon so that we can see into the shadows of our separateness. So maybe this is the union we are called to honour, our interconnectedness, our union to this greater whole that we've been disconnected from, dismembered ourselves from for centuries, basically. Richard Tarnas refers to this as re-enchanting this world. So we can think of this full moon as a reunion between our physical being and our soul being. It's about asking the questions of whether we are embodying our soul being in our physical bodies or whether the two were somehow disconnected somewhere. And if so, how can we realign the two? How's that for an aligned pause in between the doing? And then finally, we have the last major um, major lunar, um, lunar phase, which is the waning quarter moon that will occur in Leo near the fixed star called Regulus. Waning quarter, as I've talked about before, is all about bringing things to completion and starting to surrender to whatever needs to come through. It is a time of rest and reflection, a time to take stock of the lessons of this lunar cycle and really tuning in and seeing what's emerging. What has been the lesson for you? What are you being called to readjust when the next cycle comes around? The moon now will be opposite Jupiter as it has moved to the other side, nearing the sun again as this cycle draws to a close. You might recall that during the waning quarter the moon was next to Jupiter, but as the phase draws on, the moon has moved on. So now with Jupiter, with Jupiter opposite the moon, maybe we are being called to surrender to the flow. To trust in and knowing that the expansion we're looking for will make itself known to us in time. 
and that refers back to this collaboration rather than rather than thinking of it as this sort of um challenging energy how can we work with these two energies collaboratively with the moon forming another square aspect with the sun this time again it's on the other side because the moon has moved so when the waning quarter is asking us to take sorry when the waxing quarter is asking us to take aligned action towards that vision that we hold in this waning quarter we're now being asked to take a look at it and see what lessons emerged as we're walking this path what worked and what didn't and where can we lean into the flow of life a bit more during the next cycle the more i am finding clarity around my vision for this physical life the more i am seeing the benefit or this mutual receptivity with the lunar phases and aligning with it it has become a rather invaluable tool to root myself in that vision and hold myself accountable for what i truly value in this life and to consciously show up for it as i mentioned in the last month's episode a vision is not enough we need to consciously choose to live by it and this is something that i journaled on recently as well this idea is that we need to reach a certain fixed destination to live our vision that it's not necessarily necessarily true we can choose to live by it right now and this is the magic of weaving um the cosmic magic of weaving new stories for ourselves that we can choose to live our vision here and now that it may not be exactly how we envision it but we can take the smallest of steps that we can to be rooted in it and to live according to it and i feel like this lunar phase is here to teach us that that it doesn't have to be perfect that we can accept it as it is right now but that doesn't mean that it will stay like that if anything we can rely on change and so i want to finish this episode with words that resonated with me deeply in october and these are lyrics from a song called funeral for my past by liz longley which was actually the first song that i added into my um october playlist and if you're not familiar with the monthly playlists um i share them in 
my monthly musics, musings that I send out that are basically monthly emails of me sharing the journey of um, living a slow creative life, this vision that I have. And if that's something that you'd like to follow along with, um, there's a link in the show notes where you can sign up for it and get these monthly musings and these monthly um, toolkits to live a slow creative life, which is all about slowness and intentionality and alignment, but also self-inquiry and soul growth. Anyway, I want to thank you for listening and I am going to finish this episode with the words of Liz Longley. I hope they bring you the sense of relief and resolution as it did for me. Here goes. I held a funeral for my past today, laid it in the ground where it's meant to stay, with the roots, the dirt, pain and the hurt. I held a funeral for my past today. I got down on my knees, dug up a mighty grave, made room for all the darkness, the anger and the shame. So deep, it never haunts me, gone forever and always. I held a funeral for my past today. So come, gather round, what will you lay to rest? Whatever kills you slowly, don't give it one more breath. Let it go. Let it be. Let it rest here in peace. Lay it down at the funeral for your past today. Till next time, dear Wanderer. Take care.